Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. Good to see each of you here again today and to uh, worship our Lord together. We've been going through a series uh, here on the Ten Commandments. And, and you know, we, we live in a culture which uh, no longer really wants to believe that there are moral absolutes and would like to kind of just dismiss most of the commandments thinking that, you know, we, we kind of have the right to decide for ourselves just what's right for me. Until it comes to this next commandment, I think. I've never heard anyone give a serious argument for why it's right for them to murder somebody else. Instead, I think often people even use this as a basis to show that, you know, they're basically a pretty good person. Uh, after all, you know, I've never done anything really bad like murdering somebody, they'll say. Well, today we're going to be taking a closer look at the fifth commandment that's recorded in Deuteronomy 5 and in Exodus 20. And uh, we're also going to look at a couple other scriptures that are related and, and um, concerning the sac sacredness then of human life. And uh, also consider what Luther says in his catechism concerning this commandment. And I invite you to stand in reverence to God's word as I read. Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 17 simply says, you shall not murder. Exodus 20, verse 13, exact same words there. When we look in the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 1, in the creation account, there God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. And then we see in, in the Psalm, uh, Psalm 139, which is a Psalm of David, David says this, For you, Lord, formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. Let us pause and pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and, and how it gives us a picture of, of what you have created when you made mankind. And you set us apart from all the rest of your creation, and, and you created us as a living soul. Uh, we pray that uh, you would help us to grasp that and, and then to understand the things that you say concerning this commandment. Speak to each of our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. We see in Scripture then that... that Human life is sacred. And it is that because God created man in his own image and possessing then an eternal soul. 
And this sets humankind then apart from all of the rest of God's creation. God created everything in the universe, and, and some of it is inanimate, some of it animate. Um, he created the plants and animals um, and, and gave them life. But when he created man, Genesis tells us that God breathed in him, it breathed into him, and he became a living soul. And, and nowhere in the Bible do we see God's word ever mentioning animals uh, living beyond this earthly life. But many places in Scripture, it talks about life beyond the grave for humankind. Nowhere in scripture do we have any mention of plants or animals facing a judgment day in heaven and hell. But it comes up many times in scripture that mankind will be held accountable for how he has lived his earthly life and, and uh, how he has responded to the Savior that God has sent for him. In Luther's Catechism, it says this in the explanation to the first article of the Creed. I believe that God has created me and all that exists, that he has given and still preserves to me my body and soul my senses and my members, my reason and all the powers of my soul. Yes, you see, human life is sacred because God created man in his own, in his own image and possessing an eternal soul. Uh, David Siemens uh, wrote a book on, on the Ten Commandments and, and in that he says this, and I quote, This commandment lifts human life to the highest possible level because it recognizes that life is sacred. Life is God's gift, and we must not tamper with it. No person can restore life once it has ended. To kill is a wrong which, once done, cannot be undone. The finality of the taking of a human life has caused every civilization, no matter how seemingly primitive, to surround it with prohibitions and regulations." End quote. And thus, then, any man with a conscience at all agrees. Murder is wrong, and many would say even then is evil. But you know, the Christian believes it to be wrong because he understands that all of us humans are made in the image of God. And, and in my outline, I, I guess I worded it this way, possessing an eternal soul, but maybe it would be more accurate to say that we are an eternal soul. The, the, the Christian understands then that, that God forms each human life in the womb and, and knows the number of his or her days before they're even born. And in Psalm 139, it told us that God designs each human being unique and special and with all of the details that make each one of us unique. Skillfully designed, when you think about it, knit together or woven by God. And, you know, in, in recent years, uh, mankind has come to understand a little more of this as they understand the uniqueness of, of the DNA makeup of each individual. There are tiny strands of Im information that are woven together that, that shape then how we develop even in the womb and, and set each one of us apart from anybody else on the planet. Furthermore, Psalm 139 tells us that not only does God design then each one of us humans uniquely, but he also has a unique time frame for each of us to live on this earth. And, and some lives are extremely short. Some folks listening today have experienced things like a miscarriage where a child is conceived and lives just for a short time in the womb and then for some unknown reason or a reason known only to God, we would say, that that little human heart stops beating before it's even born. There may be others who have lost a child that was fully developed in the womb even or that died of complications just shortly after birth. And again, we don't fully understand 
But God knew that that was all the time that they would have here on this earth. And, and yet each one of them too, we believe in our eternal soul that lives on yet after that physical death. It doesn't seem fair to us that there are others that live to a ripe old age. I read recently of a lady who was over 100 years old and, and who has gotten COVID-19 and is doing just fine. And then there are others where there is rare cases who have gotten it and then died even in their 30s. I'm not a fatalist or, or one who believes that we should take no precautions against known risks. But I can also rest in the perspective that my days are numbered and, and their number is already recorded in God's book. And that lets me say then, like it says in Psalm 31, David there says, But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God and my times are in your hands. In understanding that life is sacred and given to us by God and that it's up to him then to decide when each person's time is up then also means that we can say all human lives matter and that murder is forbidden. Every human life is precious to our creator and he made each one and he has a plan for each of them. And life then is not ours to give, nor ours to take, whether that be our own life or that of another human being. However, murders occur in our nation every day. And how is it that, it that people get there where they are willing to take matters into their own hands and callously then end the life of another human being? Hatred and anger get a hold in a heart. And it makes them become then irrational, and apart from God, any one of us could get there. But when you add then alcohol consumption and drug abuse into the picture and selfishness and greed, terrible decisions get made sometimes in an instant with tragic consequences, and human lives are terminated quickly. So, is all taking of human life always wrong? What about killing somebody in self-defense who's trying to kill you? What about capital punishment of mass murderers? What about human warfare? I, I believe that as we think about those things, we're talking about the difference between us as individuals taking matters into our own hands and, and trusting the laws of the land and, and things such as just war. And on an individual level, we need to take to heart God's word where he says... Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. We also need to understand that, that though some translations uh, uh, word this commandment, thou shalt not kill, um, the Old Testament word used here clearly refers to what we would call murder. Uh, that is not just taking of all human life, but that which is done maliciously. This Old Testament word here is never used in the Bible to talk about killing an enemy in war or doing so in self-defense, or executing somebody condemned to death for a crime. God has relegated to human government's responsibility to punish crime, and also to wage wars when necessary. And, and as awful as war is, and as much as we should do everything we can to avoid it, there are times when it comes to where, as far as we can tell, to not go to war and to let an enemy destroy our families and even our country would be wrong. Also, And so to go to war against a nation of evil tyrants or terrorists is kind of like a policeman who ends up then shooting a mass shooter in the midst of a situation 
in order to save many more innocent lives. It's a self-defense on a national scale. You know, in, in our country, it is legal then for individuals to react in what we call self-defense. Even at times when it means then attempting to protect your own life or that of others leads to then the life of the attacker being terminated as awful as that is. In our country, as well as in many other nations, though, there are other situations in which it may even be legal to terminate another human life. But being legal doesn't make some things right. And I have to say that a prime example of that is abortion. And this is one issue where many who would claim to follow the science in other areas conveniently ignore the settled science here. You know, the, the readily available uh, ultrasound machines uh, in our country have turned the light on, really, um, regarding the reality that, that this little mass of cells growing inside the mother is clearly a human child. And as you think about that development process, you know, it, even at three to four weeks of fetal development, there is a heartbeat that can already be detected. By six weeks, fingers are forming, mouth and lips become apparent, and brain waves can even be measured. And by 12 weeks, that baby's sex can be visually determined, and eyes and ears and face begin to display some distinctive characteristics. And yet, in our country, it is legal to terminate that little life in, in many states up until the time that they could survive outside the womb, and in some states, in some situations, even after that. It's, it's staggering to think about a, a million abortions performed in the United States every year. About 10,000 of them just in the state of Minnesota. A very, very small percentage of them performed to protect the health of the mother. Just because it's legal doesn't make it right. God's word still calls it murder. And I have to say that the, the really sad thing to me about all of this is that the abortion industry really preys on unwed mothers and, and other women, and especially on those that are racial minorities, and, and leaves them then with, with having to live with this, of having taken a human life on their conscience long after that procedure is done. There's an organization called Planned Parenthood. It's, it's the nation's leading abortion promoter and provider, and it has been heavily subsidized by tax dollars. And back in 2015, a man named David Delayden uh, infiltrated Planned Parenthood, and he exposed that they were selling aborted baby parts. And California's attorney general conspired to change laws so that th his videotaping relating to that became a prosecutable offense. And she did so rather than in any way prosecuting Planned Parenthood for what they were doing. That former California Attorney General is now on the ballot for Vice President of the United States. There is something terribly wrong in a society where it's a felony to destroy an owl or an eagle's egg, but perfectly legal to kill a human baby and to do so even by means of something like partial birth abortion. And I don't know what issues shape who you vote for, I have to agree with Aaron Clore of Wisconsin, 
who when asked, well, what issue is most important to you in this year's presidential election, she said abortion, and she went on to say, no one who supports the murder of unborn children can be trusted to make moral or ethical or even logical decisions. And she is not saying that there aren't other important issues, and nor am I. But she is saying that as far as she's concerned, it's the most important. And if you disagree, then you need to sort out biblically what issues are more important and why. Just because something's legal doesn't make it okay. And that's also true regarding suicide and euthanasia, that, that of taking one's own life or helping somebody else to end their own life prematurely. And, and remember, life is, is not ours to give, nor is it ours to take, whether that be our own life or that of another human being. And it is a sad reflection on our society today that so many feel so hopeless and in such despair that suicide is vastly on the increase in our country and even in our own community. And, and we who are the church have the word of hope that they so desperately need to hear today. There's an organization called Lutherans for Life. Uh, and it's an extremely biblically solid pro-life ministry and it is excellent printed literature on several life issues, including the challenge of making end-of-life decisions, where, you know, for instance, then, uh, you have to sort out if you should take uh, medical uh, life-preserving measures, or, or if you've gotten to a point where you just say enough and you entrust the outcome of what seems to be a fatal illness or old age to your creator. Those are challenging things to sort out. I've set up a table, it's right out there in the fellowship, or I should say in the entryway, next to the uh, information on the uh, Samaritan's Purse uh, Operation Christmas Child stuff. And on that table are, are several things that come from Lutherans for Life, and also some that come from a Family Research Council, and some of that relates then to the various candidates for public office, um, and where they stand on various uh, family-related issues. And I encourage you to pick up any of that literature if you find it helpful for you as you go to the polls this week and as you deal with challenging situations in your own lives and the lives of people that you love. And there's also some material there. Um, as we think of life issues, there are those who have lost loved ones in this last year, and there's grief, um, grief materials there as well. need to say this that so far what I've talked about, maybe for most of us, these are obvious places where we can draw a line and we say that's murder. And, but you know, not physically taking another human life does not mean that we have kept this commandment. What's forbidden according to this commandment? According to Luther's explanation and the words of Jesus Christ himself, besides the murder of a human life, Doing our neighbor bodily harm is forbidden, and even hate in the heart is also forbidden. And now we who thought we haven't ever broken this commandment are in trouble. And hopefully all of us are managing to refrain most of the time from slugging our neighbor when, when he makes us mad. But if we've ever wanted to kill him, or somebody at work, or school, or church, or in your home, um, then we've also broken this commandment. And even if we haven't really wanted them to die, we just want them to go away and never be seen again, then there's a problem in our heart, and that needs a touch of God. Our scripture lesson in 1 John chapter 3 here said this, 
everyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life remaining in him. You see, God does not give us who bear the name of Christ the freedom to live with hatred in the heart. He asks us instead to confess that as sin and to ask his forgiveness and his power to change. I appreciate a story I heard of Abraham Lincoln. It was after the Civil War had taken place and he was meeting with some leaders of the Confederacy and his kindness softened their bitterness. And there was a northern congressman who criticized Lincoln and said, you're, you're befriending the enemy. They should be shot for the traitors that they were. And Lincoln replied with a smile. He said, am I not destroying my enemies by making them my friends? Jesus uh, said this. He said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And that's what he did. Uh, even while hanging on the cross, he, he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And you know, they also didn't understand what he was even doing there on the cross. As he willingly went to the cross for murderers and for people with hate in their hearts, in, in order that they could be forgiven of all of their sins and, and they could have their hearts cleansed of that hate. And so as we consider this commandment today, perhaps there is somebody who is listening who has been responsible in some way or another for the death of somebody else. And you're living with the guilt of this. Maybe somebody who had an abortion. You're invited to come to Jesus with your sin and to find full forgiveness for it in him. Maybe there's somebody that's gotten so mad that you've physically injured somebody else and and you need to deal with that and confess that as sin to God and, and also to that person that you hurt and then accept forgiveness today. Likely there are some folks listening that are angry or bitter inside towards somebody. Maybe there's even hate that's burning within you and, and destroying you. And you need to be willing to bring that too to Jesus and, and admit that no matter what somebody else did to you, your response of hate is still sin. And you need forgiveness and you need power to let that go. You're invited to come to Jesus with that today. And as we in a bit have the opportunity to partake of communion, you're invited to come with whatever sin the Holy Spirit is convicting you of today. We've been going through the Ten Commandments here and, and the first three have to do with our relationship with God and maybe as you think about it, you recognize that you have not loved God as you ought, you, you made other priorities over him. Maybe you have been misusing his name. Maybe you have uh, neglected his day and, and time and his word and so on. Maybe as you think of the fourth commandment, you recognize that you have not had a good attitude toward your parents or, or others in authority. Bring those things to Jesus and he invites you to find full forgiveness because God's word tells us the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Let us pray. Oh Lord God, we thank you for your word and what it tells us today and, and, and how it gives us a picture of what you've created when you created human life. Every single soul precious in your sight, you created uniquely with plans that you have for them, Lord. Forgive us for at times where we have just lived selfishly and not concerned for those around us. 
Forgive us for getting callous toward human life around us being taken. And Lord, help us that, that we would have our eyes open to see every single person in our life as a precious human soul, eternal soul, for whom you died. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we partake of communion today, I invite you to turn again to him. I come to thee, O blessed Lord, is a hymn that really is preparing our hearts uh, to come to the Lord in communion. Um, and, and so I invite you to sing with the opportunity to partake of communion here today. You need not be a member here in order to partake. We just ask that you would search your heart. If you find yourself in the right relationship with Jesus, that you feel free to come and join us. We uh, currently aren't coming up here to the altar uh, just to give each other a little more space and so on. But uh, we will be having, um, Pastor Ryan and I will be down here at the front and, and you will receive a prepackaged um, cup and, and wafer and you'll take that back to your pews and then at the appropriate time I'll give you instructions as, as we um, partake together of that. I share this word of exhortation before you come forward. Dear friends in Christ, in order that you may receive this holy sacrament in a worthy manner, you should carefully consider what you must now believe and do. From the words of Christ, this is my body which is given for you, this is my blood which is shed for you for forgiveness of sins. You should believe that Jesus Christ is present with his body and blood, as the words declare. And from Christ's words for the forgiveness of sins, you should also believe that Jesus gives to you his body and blood to strengthen your assurance 
that your sins are forgiven. And finally, you should do as Christ commands you when he says, Take, eat, drink of it, all of you, this do in remembrance of me. If you believe these words of Christ and do as he therein has commanded, then you properly examine yourselves and meet Christ's body and drink his blood in a worthy manner. You should also unite in giving thanks to Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for so great a gift. And love one another with a pure heart, and thus with the whole Christian church, have comfort and joy in Christ Jesus our Lord. This end may God the Father give you his grace through our Lord Jesus Christ. Please join with me as we pray together our Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.